Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Um, I just noticed that I say that with every show that starts that I'm on is, hey, everybody. And I don't even know where that came from. You know, I feel like uh, I could branch out a little bit, but I don't. It's not very original. But anyways, um, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Just the Headers with myself, Demetric Ferguson. Um, and myself, Jesse broke. There we go. Jesse, the broke Ventura. <laughs> what? Do you like that? Do you know who Je- Jesse, Jesse Ventura is? I know who Jesse Ventura is, but you could be Jesse, the broke Ventura. You, it could be like your stage name. Hmm. Probably not feeling it. Probably not feeling it. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. What would okay. be your stage name if you had a stage name? I feel like Broke is your stage name. Yeah, that, that'll that be come my from? stage name. Where did that come from? Yeah, Broke. Um, the name Broke. I don't know. I just chose it. One day. Is it because your skills are so dope you leave people on Broke? <laughs> I want everybody to think I'm Broke. Yeah. So like... that I just say Broke. It's better to it's better to think of yourself as always being broke philosophically financially just philosophically broken is that <laughs> how you walk around every day okay i sure, like why not? we're getting a glean into the into the eye into the mind's eye of one jesse broke and that is it's better to walk around Financially and philosophically broken than it is <laughs> functional because you'll be better. You'll be better off. People and, won't expect as much from you. Yeah. You can walk around with your with your head down. Yeah. Expectations are at an all-time low, though, like globally. So, you know, mm. you don't even have to try hard nowadays. We got uh, Kylie Jenner, who's almost a billionaire, right? Who's for because her older sister S to D in a porn video and now she's a billionaire. And then we got <laughs> what else is going on? We got oh shit. Sorry guys. If you tu- if you're tuning into just the headers, <laughs> then this show is about headlines. It's about crypto headlines. Um the crypto headlines that you probably missed during the week because you're you know busy with family and stuff or busy with work and stuff. So you can tune into this show. And get the crypto headlines. Um, sorry it took us so long to get to that, the objective of this show, but we're there now. So without further ado, we're going to hop right in to today's article. Oh, and sorry, these articles are from this previous week, the week we just lived through. All right. So the first article today is, uh, is, is from Coinbase's blog, actually, and it was big news. Uh, Coinbase is exploring adding Cardano, Basic Attention Tokens, Stellar, Lumens, Zcash, and Zero X as the next uh, tokens, digital assets that will be available for for ownership. Um, that's just the headline. I don't know if there's much we need to add to that, Jesse. What do you think? Um, I think there are some news stories that will go over that kind of add additional information to why they might be adding those different asset classes. One um, is IBM's um, throwing forth a Tether-like token on, I think, the Stellar Lumens uh, network. Yeah. So so there there are reasons, and we might get into some of those reasons um, through news topics that will pop up during the week. 
Okay. Reasons. The reasons that we're here. It's a good song. So the next article uh, is brought to you by Anna Alexandre. Uh, Bloomberg is stating, uh, oh, sorry, this has 15,000 total views and 187 total shares. Bloomberg is saying that R3 considers an IPO launch. So not an ICO, but an IPO. That's initial public offering uh, for you noobs in the audience. Let's read a little bit of it. R3, R3, a blockchain software enterprise that leads a consortium. I love that word consortium of more than 200 members is considering launching an initial public offering. Okay. A source familiar with the issue told Bloomberg that the firm is negotiating an IPO with advisors uh, while potential buyers have already expressed interest in the sale. The final decision, as well as the plan, which is up to R3's founder and CEO, David Rudder, and investors, reportedly have not yet been made, the company said in a statement. We're not surprised about the speculation given the success of Corda, but an IPO is not a path we're pursuing at this time. Our mission from the start was to deliver a blockchain solution for the widest possible business community, and any decision we make will have that goal in mind. Um, what do you think about this, man? You think is that that this is just like a huge? I feel like the people that were stating years ago, by maybe three years ago, like this is it's not about Bitcoin; it's about blockchain. We're just trying to create that narrative so they could be a very massive middleman in the future. I mean, I don't know. It opens up it opens up um, existing companies to be. Um, like we're we're adopting the blockchain technology, and then you know the stock valuations go up. I mean, I guess it, yeah, like you're saying, it allows them to be part of the action. Part of what action though? Because who wins in a blockchain that's got central control? Well, what I'm saying is it it allows them to be part of the the not necessarily the decentralized movement, mm-hmm. um, but the everything is on a blockchain buzzword movement. Mm, so they're just trying like, to like Kodak, like Kodak changing their name to like Kodak blockchain or something like that. Ah, uh, they're trying to soak up some of them dollar dollar bills. Yeah. Mm. So you're not, Maybe. Very, I mean, I don't feel like you're amused by this at all. You're like, meh. I, I think there are some better articles that we'll go over. Okay. Well, let's, let's keep it moving. Let's, uh, let's make like a tree and branch and, out and grow. Oh, oh. Uh, you were going to go with branch out? Okay, I can do that. Let's make like a tree and branch out. Um, so here, so we we uh, spent a, quite a bit of time on the Lightning Network in the last episode. Um, and surprise, surprise, here's another article about it. This is from Bitcoin.com. Bear uh, stomping grounds. Everyone's in a blue moon. It's not something that is like jerking all over uh, Bcash. Uh, excuse me, Bitcoin Cash. Uh, so this is written by Jamie Redman. It's got 9,209 views. Uh, one guy controls the Lightning Network's biggest node. So you may have read this throughout the week, um, but the Lightning Network's uh, capacity jumped quite a bit. Let's read a little bit. BTC supporters were elated to discover recently that the Lightning Network's capacity had spiked by 216%. Ooh, hot damn. Some individuals suspected that the Build on Bitcoin conference had sparked more Lightning Network interest. However, onlookers have found the spike was due to a single node created by owner of shitcoin.com. <laughs> According to Lightning Network Explorers, the node holds more than 50%, more than 49% of the Lightning Network's total funds. Um, I don't know why he's doing that. At all. But, uh, yeah, he opened up a shit ton of capacity and channels on the Lightning Network. Um, it's quote down below to make the Lightning Network truly decentralized. We must first become the Lightning Network. <laughs> it's like where, some Bruce Lee level shit. Where'd you read that? Down, down in the article. It says Brecken's node is massive compared to the rest of the nodes across the Lightning Network. And on July 14th, the node operator stated to his Twitter followers, quote, to make the Lightning Network truly decentralized, we must first become the Lightning Network. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> okay. 
Did you look into the Sparking Up Lightning Network stuff this week? Ever that spurring from our conversation last week? No, I didn't. I we didn't spent a good thirty minutes on that stuff. Um, but let's look at some tweets. Uh, uh, Jeff Garzik, everybody's fame, everybody's favorite Garzik said, "Some dude just became the biggest node on the Lightning Network by opening up channels worth approximately fifty thousand USD." Uh, so some supporters are afraid the node may reduce people's trust in the Lightning Network. But not, I mean, I don't know why that doesn't, you know. It, says, I mean, it I, says just recently he revealed how much money he's made so far from routing, which turned out to be around 0.028 US dollars worth of BTC. So 2.8 pennies, 2.8 mm-hmm. cents. He's made three pennies. For three having a baby. 200, was it $220,000? node uh yeah 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 so uh, his roi is gonna be pretty low um yeah so there's that um let's go oh it's your turn man your turn on the day bro it's on okay, you. let's see yeah we're going to move past the weekend and we're going Audience, to go to you don't have the video but i'm looking at jesse and he's the most relaxed human on the planet right now he is just <laughs> chilling <laughs> He is. <laughs> He's right. on maximum chill. Monday's news. The first article starts with um, an article written by David Floyd on Coindesk with 575 retweets and 225 Reddit shares. The title of his article is Augur Betting Volumes Just Topped $1 Million and in an parentheses and they're accelerating. Mm. Prediction Platform. Wow. <laughs> Prediction Sorry. platform Augur is fast attracting fans, at least if new data is any indication. Revealed exclusively to Coindesk, figures from predictions.global, a website that allows users to view Augur markets without installing the app, show the platform saw a spike in open interest from Sunday to Monday. A metric that denotes how much money or how much is being risked on the outcome of real world events. Open interest leapt by 51% to more than $325,000. Wait, what? Open interest leapt by 51% to more than $325,000 over the period. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I've never used Augur. Do you don't understand how the uh, betting staking works? Um, I am too far detached, my friend. I used Augur many, many moons ago when I first bought Ether. I used the beta. Um, okay. It's got like a two coin play for its token model. I know there's rep. Rep uh, rep is Augur. Augur is rep. Finkel is Einhorn. Um, I do know what a prediction market is, though. And that is, you basically, it's basically like gambling in its pierced form, right? Like, I could say something like, hey, Jesse, I bet you the Democrats take over in this midterm election in America. And you could say, "Uh uh-uh, I bet you not. And I say, "Uh uh-huh, and then we create a market around it. Mm. And people bet, right? But the thing about prediction markets is they are illegal in traditional financial markets because of the mathematical phenomenon known as the wisdom of the masses that implies that if a, a large enough group of people, a uh, very large, significantly large group enough pe- group of people and significantly diverse group of people can guess the outcomes of events with startling accuracy. So, yeah. Like an example of that is uh, there's some prediction markets that work on stuff that's not betting, but like you can get thousands and thousands of people to guess like how many yards a running back is going to have in a, in a football game or something. And they get like within seven yards. It's kind of creepy, but it's kind of cool. Um, mm. Yeah. And Speaking so the betting are illegal. and prediction markets, yeah. I feel like they would be illegal if, if the outcome is heavy, heavily influenced by investors like, you know, say Bitcoin's going to be $20,000. Well, if everybody thinks Bitcoin's going to go to $20,000 and the price is 6000 and people buy into that idea, mm-hmm. well, then you're, I mean, if, if enough people buy into that idea with enough, with enough, um, money, then I mean, 
you could offset the amount of people who are selling that um mm-hmm. i guess that that increase in price so that i mean you could actually have like a twenty thousand dollar bitcoin or whatever uh versus like betting on the odds of something like you know not necessarily a horse race but like take for example like ufc like the last ufc 226 that just happened mm-hmm. like stipe versus daniel or dc like, i called that one by the way did you really yeah i, I was cello i was like dc's gonna win because dc wins and that's what i said and i know nothing about ufc by the way oh that was completely unexpected it was it was either going to be DC wins by knockout first round or second round, which he never like. He's known to be an aggressive striker, and DC is an Olympic class wrestler. So like, DC to knockout Stipe would have been the biggest upset, and so like something ridiculous like that was like the other bet. But then that was just like such a ridiculous bet that my friends and I like had going. So it was either. Either Stipe wins by knockout or DC wins by knockout. Who'd you pick? I honestly thought Stipe would win by knockout because I wanted to go one. I want to swing the other way, so I said Stipe wins by knockout first round, Stipe. which he's known. Yeah, Stipe Miocic, and then the other guy DC Daniel Cormier. He's like five foot ten. The other guy is six foot four. Like, there's no way he would knock the other guy out, mm-hmm. but he ended up knocking him out. Is which is insane. Like it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Like the dude is six three, six four, and the other guy is like five ten. The only way that they're fighting in the same class is because the five ten guy, Daniel Cormier, is like two hundred and fifty pounds. Like he yeah. gained that much weight. He has he like cupcake handles. He gained a ton of weight for that fight, I saw that. But he's always been a bigger fighter. No, not that big. He's never he's never gone that I big. Watched, His natural I weight is like two hundred. I watched the District of Columbia. I watched that dude before. He's, I mean, he's what? Okay, what I mean by bigger is like he's not one of those fighters that looks like he's chiseled from marble. He's never, he's never. Yeah, you're right. He's yeah. never fought in that weight class. That was his first time fighting in the two. What is it? Two forty. Homeboy was class. eating some ribeye steaks to get ready for that fight. I bet he's enjoyed himself. Yeah, I guess so. But, but anyways, let's read a little bit about Augur and then let's move on. So here's some use cases of Augur. Um, for you guys listening, if you want to try it out and, you know, you're feeling fucking froggy for political forecasting, you could turn political knowledge into predictive power by trading on the outcome of upcoming elections, potential policy decisions and other political events, gambling for event hedging, hedge against catastrophic events like natural disasters, market crashes and geopolitical upheaval by betting that the event will occur. Gambling, weather prediction. Harness the power of the crowds to create a more accurate weather prediction tool for events like hurricane landfalls, heat waves, and daily temperature averages. Mm, That's not gambling. That's just using math. Company forecasting. Companies can use Augur to guide decision making by forecasting vital information such as total product sales and project completion times. Um, so, So here's how it works. Step one, you choose an event. Choose an event to predict anything is fair game from the next presidential election to the success of a company's product. Two, create a market. Check the list of open markets to see if a market already exists for your event. If not, make it. Buy and sell shares. Trade on the outcome of your event by buying and selling shares in its market. Buy shares to go long on an outcome or sell shares to short it. Four, report the outcome. Report the winning outcome of the event after it occurs. Other users can dispute your report if they don't agree. Five, claim your winnings. Users who hold shares of the winning outcomes are paid out from the market. Contract with the market is resolved. The currencies of Augur are Ether and Reputation, or REP. Both have value. Augur's Reputation token is used for reporting and disputing the outcomes. of. There we go. Now it's coming back to me. Okay, so... Augur is used, your rep is like your score for reporting an event. If you're wrong, like if you're lying, then you lose rep, right? Reporters are rewarded for reporting correctly. So like you don't have to trade rep to get more rep. You can just get earn rep for reporting events correctly, right? So that's one way you earn rep. Um, Augur is a big deal, man. They've been working. One, their team is phenomenal. Joy Krug, he's kind of a genius. We've interviewed him. I've interviewed him personally twice. 
Um, they've been working on this platform for a very long. Let's move on because this is about headlines. Okay. <laughs> huh. The next headline um, is about markets and prices. P2P markets report that Latin American and Hungarian volume are surging, right? Because people out there are hungry. I think the Latins, Latin people out there are hungry. And so what it says is Latin American peer-to-peer markets have seen an influx of volume in recent weeks with the local Bitcoin markets of Argentina, Brazil, and Venezuela posting significant spikes in volume. <laughs> Sorry. In other news pertaining to international P2P. P2P means peer-to-peer. P2E means peer-to-environment. So those are different things. The, hung- the Hungarian local Bitcoins markets produced near record volume in recent weeks, whilst Canada's recent surge in volume appears to have subsided. Um, you know, what's, you know, what I think it's funny, Jesse. Mm. Is every time a country is like, we don't like Bitcoin, Meh, the local Bitcoins volume spikes. And I know it's spiking because people are going to local Bitcoins to sell. But couldn't they easily go to local Bitcoins to buy? Too? Because there's somebody going to local Bitcoins on the other end of that cell to buy. So that just tells me, you know, with with websites like local Bitcoins, if they can get decentralized, there's no shutting down Bitcoin. Like, it's, it's out there. It ain't going away. Sorry, it isn't going away. Yeah, just well. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say, Jesse, we need to start a fucking revolution, man. <laughs> it's already going. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. It went from zero to one hundred so fast. We don't have to start a revolution. If you don't want to do that, just send the pamphlet back. <laughs> I never even got the pamphlet. You didn't get the pamphlet? Shit! I must have got your address wrong. All I'm saying is, everything, every time, every team, a country. Uh, bans Bitcoin, local Bitcoins gets goes on fire. It's like, oh, you want to ban it? We don't give a shit. We're just gonna not. We're gonna trade P2P and disregard what you said, country, government. Hmm. I don't know. I've seen a lot of YouTube channels like uh, people who want to get into Bitcoin. They look up local Bitcoin and hmm. try and buy some there. And then I also see stories about people who sell Bitcoin on local Bitcoin and they get arrested. Mm. So, so it's a setup, like a, a sting operation. Well, I see like noobs buying Bitcoin there. I see like people who have, you know, a decent amount of crypto helping mm-hmm. to launder money through that and getting arrested or just trying to sell Bitcoin and getting arrested. Like either way, they're they're trying to make a profit off the books and anytime you buy and sell bitcoin on local bitcoin that's illegal technically because you don't have a money um transmission license so it's i mean it's actually illegal to do that what no it's not you talk yeah no it is i've talked it definitely is i haven't said anyone's talking jive talk i think in my entire life but why is it illegal you're not holding money to like trans to someone you're like, just trading so, something with someone so th- what i'm getting at is like people buy people buy bitcoin and they can be bi- people who have invested in bitcoin when it was cheaper or people who are buying and selling items for bitcoin you know drugs random stuff and they try and cash out their bitcoins through local bitcoin it doesn't matter like how you got the bitcoin if if you're cashing out on a profit on it, I guess, somehow, I mean, I guess local law enforcement doesn't like that when you're trying to cash out on a profit, you know, thousands of dollars. Like, they want, the government wants their, their cut, you know, state level, not just, you know, federally. Like, they want their cut. So you're not, by trading Bitcoin to other people directly and profiting on, like, gains, you're not allowing any level of government to profit from that transaction. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they don't like that, right? I mean, if they don't like it, I'll just tell them you don't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you get what you need. (laughs) 
I mean, they've arrested people for, like I said, for no, you know, transmitting Bitcoin. Pay your taxes, everyone, especially <laughs> capital gains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We love governments over here. We love governments. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. No, I'm kidding. It's it's a delicate dance that you have to play with governments, and there's a lot of stuff that we should concede to, and there's some stuff that we should not concede to. The beautiful thing about our governments should work, at least here in the West, is that we should have more control than we do. I don't think people exercise that control. Um, I think rich people do, but everybody else just kind of coasts on In-N-Out Burger and Five Guys. But, like, I think that... <laughs> I just... Look... I don't know how this got into a government talk. Uh, the articles that, like, uh, let's see, well, Latin if, if America. A guy, if a guy buys $100,000 with Bitcoin and then yeah. he can sell it at $200,000, mm-hmm. you know, so $100,000 profit, well, mm-hmm. he, could, he could potentially get arrested for doing that. Yeah, he could. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, that's the simple fact. Like, using local Bitcoins and buying and selling Bitcoin there is technically illegal. Can we put quotations on technically? I mean, you can get arrested for it. So they somehow have a reason to arrest you. You and- can get arrested for it. There's no <laughs> technical. Um, oh, so so what Jesse's really trying to say is be careful out there in these streets. Okay, don't don't go around just giving and taking Bitcoin all wimbly, bimbly, and whimsically. Do your search and make sure the guy's not a cop. Make sure your guy's not a cop. Make yeah. sure it's Coinbase. <laughs> yeah. Make sure it's Coinbase. Make sure the guy or girl's not a cop. And you're good to go. No, I'm kidding. That's terrible advice. I kind <laughs> of disagree with Jesse on this. I'm just going to put my foot down that, like, it's not illegal. Just make sure that you claim the transaction and you pay your capital gains if you sell it at a gain. That's it. Now, if you get arrested for this, I am not your lawyer. So, um,. It doesn't yeah, like there's nothing to argue about. It's just like people have gotten arrested for buying and selling Bitcoin on local Bitcoin. Well, and that's what you know. The article was about. It was it was slightly about local Bitcoin. And people I just get arrested for all kinds of stuff, man. Doesn't mean it's 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 uh I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't mean that it's right that it's it's allowable to arrest people for doing yeah, that. I mean, I true. I can agree with that, but I mean that's just a potential uh, yeah. outcome. No doubt, when you trade no doubt. a lot of. um so that's a perfect segue into while we're talking about regulation everybody's favorite fucking department is saying stuff again the cftc says buyer beware in a new ico advisory so um this one's written by stan higgins uh stan is uh eminem's biggest fan um you remember that song no, I don't remember where there's a Stan in it. <laughs> you don't remember Stan? D- no. Like, uh, the Eminem song where he was like Eminem's favorite fan? I'm, I'm your biggest fan. This is Stan. No. Dude. Oh, wait. What's that's that from? Right. You've only been here for a decade, right? So you missed that. Oh, man. When I was in high school, there's a song called Stan that Eminem wrote. It was the uh-huh. shit. Dido sang the chorus. Um What's his name performed it? Who's the gay piano player? Rocket Man. I'm a rocket man. Yeah, Elton John. Elton John. Thank you for that. (laughs) Really? Elton John did a recording with Eminem? Elton John did a recording with Eminem because Eminem wanted to prove everyone that he's not homophobic, even though he uses the F word a lot. And not fuck, I'm talking about it rhymes with maggot. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, um, the song called Stan. You should check it out. It's a good song, uh, Jesse. Okay, um, I'll check it out after the podcast. Are there any songs like that you brought with you to America that were like just the shit and like you were surprised people didn't know them? No, actually, my sh- my uh, my sister turned me on to like um, some French pop music and also, oh. I guess, K-pop stuff. Have you heard any of that? I've heard of K-pop. Um, it's becoming big in the U.S. Yeah, it's awkward. BTS, Big Bang, big stuff, stuff like that. Um, I haven't heard of French pop. There's this guy with this French pop. You know what I have heard of though? Dirty pop, 
<laughs> you don't know that either. Do you? That's in sync, man. Oh, shit. I mean, I, I, I was, I was not here for in sync. I don't think. Damn, you missed on some good shit. Um, so the French sing- singer is called Strome. I think I've heard He's, of Strome. Yeah. Dirty pop. He's Belgian, apparently. But he's from France. While you're digging into French pop, I'm going to read the next article. Oh, I just read it, but I'm going to read some from it. The Commodity Futures Trading Commission has issued an advisory on initial coin offerings and uh, crypto assets. Uh, warning, would-be buyers do their homework before investing. This is nothing new. This is stuff that we say across our network, network-wide, is that you're investing. This is the, the game's changed, baby. You're not just buying currency. You're buying things that could be potential securities. You're buying things that have these weird virtual utilitarian use cases, but still have properties of securities, right? We're changing the the, the narrative, baby. We're changing this whole thing up. We're flipping the script. But in that, you need to do your research on what companies you, you buy into and what behaviors that you own with these digital assets. And nothing is new there. So we're going to move on. And going into Tuesday, we got Mark Hochstein. Uh, he says, IBM is helping launch a price-stable crypto with FDIC-insured funds. Okay, so this is another stable coin. And it kind of gleans into what you were talking about earlier, right, Jesse, when it came to, um, you know, why Coinbase might be adding Stellar Lumens to their network, right? Yeah, I think this is the one. Um, I think this is the article I was mentioning. Mm-hmm. And so the latest attempt to create a cryptocurrency pegged on to the U.S. dollar stable coin combines 21st century technology with an inv- invention from the Great Depression. Uh, Announced Tuesday, a startup called Stronghold is launching USD Anchor, which will run on the rails of the Stellar blockchain and use its consensus mechanisms to... (laughs) Stay on track, damn it. Mechanisms. Mechanisms. Mechanisms to verify transactions. The token will be backed one for one with the U.S. dollar held at a Nevada chartered trust company. So this will be as centralized as humanly possible. Um, but it is that's the new thing is uh, centralized entities are building uh, decentralized technology. I don't really know how that works, but we're figuring this thing out. OK, you segue this time because I dropped the ball because I said mechanism. <laughs> All right, so later down in that, that same article you're reading, it says IBM, back then IBM had announced that it was working with Stellar, the Stellar Protocol and its native token, Lumens, as a bridge currency between money transfer operations in a number of South Pacific Island nations. Uh, since then, IBM has been busy expanding this into larger a larger production-ready network. We haven't announced anything yet, but it includes regulated financial institutions and a whole bunch of other jurisdictions, said Lund. Uh, the reason IBM has non-exclusively partnered with Seller is because its team has experience in cross-border payments and the protocol scales well with no mining and its consensus system, Len says. Um, so that was that article. And moving on to the next article on oh, Tuesday. Segway, segway. Oh, sorry. Segway, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of tokens... <laughs> Coinbase says it now has regulatory approval to list security tokens. U.S. cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase has received regulatory approval to acquire several securities firms, a move that could eventually see it supporting trading in tokens deemed as securities. Spokesperson for the exchange said in an email response to Coindesk on Tuesday that the Financial Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, FINRA, has approved mm-hmm. recently revealed acquisition deals for current, uh, currently regulated firms. Um, last month, the exchange announced that it intends to purchase three companies, Keystone Capital Core, Venovate Marketplace, and Digital Wealth LLC. Hey, isn't Digital Wealth um, Peter Schiff's thing? Or is that... Yes, it is. It is? I think so. Yep. I want to confirm that before we... Dude, rich people on. stay rich. They just pour money into shit to make more money come out. That really Peter that's not Peter Schiff's. That is Peter Schiff's. No, it's not. It can't be. I'm looking right now. Digital Wealth LLC. Uh, 
Mm, that's not helping me get no, to not, where. I don't think that's, that's not him. helping me get to where I thought I would be. Uh, um. Oh wait, this might help. This is LinkedIn. Uh. Nope. That didn't nope. help either. Uh, so we don't know if it's Peter Schiff or not. But what we do know is. is that Coinbase is really, really going out of their way. Um. For uh, what's the word I'm looking here? It starts with a C. Um. Compliance. Um. And um, I guess they're saying like uh, better to ask for. No, they're not saying that. I was going to say no, better to ask for forgiveness. For forgiveness, but they're yeah, definitely no, they're going asking ahead and buying regulated firms and then yeah. going to inject those firms with crypto. Yeah. yeah, and then ask for the forgiveness. They're setting up for forgiveness. Yep. So so speaking speaking of asking for, uh, Mastercard wins a patent for speed. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even a segue. I was just like speaking of. Um, right, sorry. Yeah. Just, MasterCard. Just go, go with it. Just go just go with it. MasterCard yeah. wins a patent for speeding up crypto payments. This I think is funny because back in twenty fifteen MasterCard released like a three minute video shitting on cryptocurrency. Hard. Like basically the CEO sat down. He did one of those like seventies stares where he sat down in a stool and stared at the camera and he said, like, cryptocurrency pretty much is the devil, and you're pretty much a devil's minion for using it. And it was like a three minute video, and I was like, Okay, MasterCard, shut the fuck up. But on Tuesday, they announced that they secured uh, a patent for speeding up crypto payments. So you can get a MasterCard and then that will go to uh, your your crypto balance of whatever cryptocurrency you want. And when you swipe your MasterCard at the gas station, you're actually paying in crypto. It's just using MasterCard's brails. So that's... Yeah, they want, no- they want to... They're like, can we be in the middle? Like, please? Yeah. <laughs> we'll give you... Yeah. We'll let you use our MasterCard system and our, <laughs> our, our fraud identification system. And you can use yeah. a MasterCard card. <laughs> <laughs> when you say that, like a picture of a guy in like a suit and he just comes into the room and he's like can i please be in the middle are you are you in the market for a middleman because i i'm here and he like tips his hat okay um yeah oh, so that's like words, the next article for wednesday should, doesn't it should we read a quote okay oh, god it often takes this is a uh, this is coming from the yeah, it doesn't really say. Hold up. It's a document published okay, by the document. U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. It often takes a significant amount of time, around 10 minutes for a blockchain-based transaction to be processed. Conversely, traditional fiat payment transactions that are processed using payment networks often process have, have processing times that are in the measured in nanoseconds. Therefore, many entities, particularly merchants, retailers, service providers, and other purveyors of goods and services may be wary of accepting blockchain currency for products and participating in blockchain transactions. So that's um, part of MasterCard's patent that they filed. Yeah, that's part of their patent. So, um, so they just want to be the middleman. Yeah. Excuse me, sir. Do you need a middleman? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you need a reputable middleman yes. for your transactions? I say, <laughs> it looks to me as if you need a man in the middle here. It's like they 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 didn't get on, they didn't get on the bus in time. Yeah, uh, my word. A financial transaction with no middleman, not here, not on Mastercard. Watch. Okay, I'm having too much of a good time with that. Uh, All right, you do the next one, man. All right, Wednesday's first article. Is oh, dude, your segues on. are just terrible. That speaking of crypto, <laughs> going to <laughs> Bitcoin.com's website. Uh, you gotta jazz this shit up, man. I'm trying to get through the news for them. All right, all right. So uh, the article is entitled "Eastern Europe Regulation Postponed, Tax Abandoned, Banks Enlightened." Mm-hmm. Uh, it's written by Lubomir Tasev. He sounds. What does he sound like? Lubomir Tosev. 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 It's an A. Tosev. Okay. I'll go with it. <laughs> is he... Eastern European nations. Go ahead. Okay. I'm tired with the accents. I'll cut that shit out. Um, You know, the, the article 
says I'll read big big headlines. So sub sub headlines within that article: Russia postpones crypto regulation. The adoption of the legislation meant to regulate the crypto industry in Russia has been delayed despite President Putin's July deadline for the legal framework. In the past weeks, Russian outlets have quoted officials expressing concerns that the draft laws were introduced in the state Duma in March won't be approved during the spring session. The three bills adopted on first reading in May were expected to pass a second vote before the parliament's summer break. So it looks like Russia is basically allowing you to play around in crypto land and trade and not really mm. with a lot of without a lot of oversight until legislation is passed uh bulgaria same thing there uh says bulgaria's financial regulator to monitor the crypto sector um it looks like they're still awaiting says awaiting a pan-European decision on cryptocurrencies has not made any significant progress towards regulating the crypto space if we don't count a clarification notice on crypto taxation issued by the National Revenue Service some time ago. Mm-hmm. However, the recent activity in Brussels, including the adoption of the fifth anti-money laundering directive, which entered into force last week, has provided enough stimulus for authorities in Sofia to do something. Um, crypto tax break introduced in Poland. So Poland's getting something. Bank clampdown provokes reaction in Slovakia. So banks in Slovakia have been closing accounts belonging to crypto businesses and investors Jeez. since June. It's like deja vu, man. And these these type of articles are like deja vu. It's like, haven't I heard this before? Oh, so Lubomir Tasset, I mean, I guess, yeah. He's a he's apparently from Bulgaria. Bulgaria. He is from Bulgaria. Interesting. <laughs> so um, you know what I have noticed though, Jesse, is that like when it comes to these headlines, a lot of it is like regulatory stuff, like regulatory slash uh, market stuff. Like it's, it's just, it just seems a little bit deja vu-y. So yeah, um, it's like it's like they 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 put on the red light in their country, and then they go, okay, it's green, and then they go, oh wait, yellow, okay, green, and then red. <laughs> oh wait, yellow. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> Back Yellow, to yeah. Do you think that okay? Here's some conspiracy theory. Do you think that they do this to profit off of how it affects the price? Like Japan's the only country that said their officials cannot own crypto, right? Like they they or they have to publicly announce what cryptocurrencies that they own and what block what assets that they own. But in these other countries, do you think they just introduce FUD because they're like, eh? I feel like making another thirty thousand dollars. Why don't we go ahead and, uh, you know, say regulations are good and say that we like it? Oh, oh, psych! Uh, we're gonna ban it. Price drops, and I sell my shit, and then I, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, I, I don't, I, I can't really know, man. Like, but if I were to make a guess, Venezuela was it? Venezuela mm-hmm. had the largest volume in the past three, four weeks, and. I, I guess I wonder what sort of operations, what sort of money laundering operations are being run in those countries. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm assuming like it's Staggering. some pretty big scale money yeah. laundering operations that are going on. It's going down. And one of the articles that we, I think I put on here that we'll get to eventually has to do with um, coin market and uh, coin market cap and um, fake volume. Ooh, so. that's going to be tasty. Speaking of things that taste great, the second article, U.S. congressman calls for a ban on crypto buying and mining. Isn't that just tasty? Isn't that just wet your whistle? So this goon, uh, his name is Congressman Brad Sherman, uh, and this is what he says. He says, he says this. Yes, it is true that criminals have used Bitcoin, but it is also true that criminals have used airplanes, computers, and that's not what he said. I just said his name is Brad Sherman. Michael was the guy defending cryptos. What, what Brad Sherman said is we should prohibit U.S. persons from buying or mining cryptocurrencies. This is what he said. Uh, what's funny is that this California Democrat, uh, whose largest donor, largest donor is a credit card processor, uh, Allied Wallet, uh, 
he added that beyond cryptocurrencies being potentially used as a form of money in the future, it can currently be used by tax evaders and rogue states seeking to bypass U.S. US sanctions. It's for naughty people. Yeah, I mean, and that's why the, the quote down there that we're reading by Norbert Michael, one of the panelists um, that's defending the idea of cryptocurrencies, he's saying, yeah, that it's true crypt, uh, criminals have used Bitcoin, but then it's also true that they've used, you know, and then he lists airplanes, computers, automobiles, and then we shouldn't criminalize any of those instruments simply because criminals use them. And yeah. like that's stupid. It's like criminals use the U.S. dollar. People in third world countries fake U.S. dollars. It's not like it's not like we've outlawed the use of U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, Congressman Congressman Brad Sherman, uh, he got put on blast instantly on crypto by the crypto dog. Uh, shout out to the crypto dog, and it was very funny. He put like instantaneously he put his quote, and then he and then he matched that with the fact that he his largest donor is a credit card uh, processor. So it was like, mm. oh, really? And so then Congressman Sherman hit him in the DMs and said, stop in all capital letters. Crazy, right? It's fun times, man. So uh, I'm going to hit you with a Jesse segue. The next article we are going to talk about is <laughs> how coin market cap incentivizes exchanges to report fake volume. Mm, this is dun, dirty. Dun, dun. Bwah. Give me your best Inception, Bois. Bois. I don't remember that movie anymore. Just oh, remember wow. it was like Dreams Within Dreams. Oh wow. You need to watch that one again. That movie is that it movie was a great is movie. dank. Um Kai Sedgwick, a boy Kai. Um says four thousand views. I read the last one. You're reading this one, right? Yeah, yeah. So BitForex, a cryptocurrency exchange that scarcely scraped the top 100 by trading volume until recently, has been accused of generating false trades on a mammoth scale. Crypto Mm. Exchange Ranks, which pulls in open source data from exchange APIs, has published a report in which it accuses BitForex of creating fake volume and coin market cap of being complicit in the scam. Oh. BitForex, CoinMarketCap, uh, and the use of fake volume. Fake trading volume, defined as buy and sell orders designed to artificially create the impression of demand, are running are a running motif in the cryptocurrency world. For as long as anyone can remember, various exchanges have been accused of wash trading and inflating their volume. It's the equivalent of a half-empty airliner placing its passengers in window seats to give the impression that the plane is full. Creating fake volume may sound like a relatively minor transgression, but it can have major ramifications for traders. Yeah. Quote, cooking the books by falsifying activity lures traders into signing up for an exchange that may be untrustworthy, insecure, and far less liquid than it looks. Any exchange that is willing to create false volume may have few qualms about committing more egregious crimes against its users. Until recently... BitForex was a little-known exchange, languishing around 70th in the world by trade volume. It now stands at 12th, according to data provided by CoinMarketCap, with a 24-hour volume of $227 million. That's mm. uh, that's pretty substantial. Yeah, most of it is. Yeah, and there's also reports that some of the uh, lesser, the newer cryptocurrencies are faking volume to get on those exchanges that are also faking volume. So be careful out there in these streets, man. Be very, very careful. Mm. Um, you know, speaking of being careful, that slides us straight into Thursday's articles. The first article... um. Thursday, which will be yesterday by the time you hear it, will be yesterday. Uh, Mary Hewlett. Um, sorry, and let's give a date too, because some people don't listen to this on Friday when it comes out. So this will be the 19th of July, uh, 2018, the year of our Lord. Uh, so this article has 6,693 total views, 220 total shares. Major insurers take the plunge to underwrite risk in the crypto space. Interesting. So insurance insurance is a scam, but uh, it's a scam we believe in, like banks. 
It's so, a scam that works. Yeah, it's a scam we believe in, like banks. Well, when I say yeah. insurance is a scam, I'm just like, I actually like insurance. I insure lots of things because shit breaks, you know? Yeah. I know I end up wasting a lot of money over the years, but fucking when my car goes down, I don't have to worry. So Exactly. Um, So big name insurers such as AIG, uh, uh, Ali G, Chubb, DJ XL. No, I'm kidding. This is weird names in here. AIG, Elaine's, Chubb, and XL Group are increasingly tailoring coverage options to protect businesses in the crypto space. Uh, Aon, uh, a major insurance broker, claims to occupy 50% of the crypto insurance market. It told Bloomberg the firm is seeing more crypto-specific protections catering to the new industry. So this is good. This is a stamp of legitimacy, wouldn't you say, Mr. Broke? I mean, that's good. That's why I put this article on here. I was just curious to see which exact insurers were coming to the table yep. and offering protection. I'm trying to find a quote. I don't really see one in here. Um, but let's look, let's read a little bit further. Another broker, Marsh and McLennan said that 2018 has been brisk for crypto insurers, revealing that Marsh has now formed its first ever team dedicated to broker policies for blockchain startups. Um, so Bloomberg's sources say that premiums for crypto related firms can tally to over fivefold the coverage. Uh, the average covered cost of traditional corporate insurance policy, um, sometimes as high as 5% of coverage limits annually. Um, so this does also increase uh, cost of operations in the blockchain industry. Um, but it seems as if as things go more mainstream and adoption uh, pushes towards ubiquitousness, uh, the cost of operation goes up. That's the way the cookie crumbles. So... There Isn't that interesting how made up money is now being insured? Um, It is interesting, my man. But that's the beauty of humanity is our ability to abstract all kinds of things. If we couldn't abstract, we'd just be like animals. I think one of the articles is talking about, uh, about how central banks are wanting to have some international central bank. Just, I think we did have a, an inter international central bank in like the 70s or 80s. Um, but they want to create one that actually uses cryptocurrency, a, a unified cryptocurrency. That's one of the articles I think is. They need to left. stop tripping and stop hating on it and let Bitcoin be that. Bitcoin is perfectly poised to be a global reserve currency. No country owns it. People own it, right? So it's not like countries want to give up that control to people. Yeah, but the thing is, is like not a lot of people own it, and well enough countries right? can buy it too. That's that's the thing is that like they're they're sleeping on the fact that they can buy it too. They devalue their currency if they bought into it, though. Yeah, well, whose fault is that? <laughs> I just I mean, think it's gonna be like a slow like oh the U.S. is gonna be like oh well we. How did we happen to have Bitcoin on the side? And like, they're just going to magically have like a percentage <laughs> of Bitcoin that they've been slowly buying. Yeah. <laughs> For years. They're not going to publicly go out and say, yeah, we have Bitcoin. No country is going to do that, right? Yeah. It's part of the, the invisible and dimensional chess game that countries play. Yeah. It's like one day when like all that war is going to break out. It's like crazy. You won't go to war. We got like all this Bitcoin. <laughs> crazy how that happened. So, how much Bitcoin do you have? Oh, none. So, who's gonna fare well after this war? Biatch. It's like the U.S. having like forty, forty something percent of like all the gold reserves in the world after like was it World War One or World War Two? I think it was WW Two. Rachel. Oh, so speaking of World War Two. Rachel Rose O'Leary has written an article on Ethereum scaling. So. <laughs> what? Okay, I'll just roll with it. These Go are ahead. segues, man. This is how you, this is how professionals do it in the biz, Jess. Oh, okay. This is, so speaking of all out doomsday conflicts of uh, physical termination, death, 
Ethereum scaling solution Raiden releases last testnet before its launch. So if you guys are in the audience and you're new to crypto and you don't know what a testnet is, it is the playground where you release things so you can break them, so you can figure out their flaws, so you can play around with features. So you, it's it's like pre-alpha, right? It's it's like way pre-alpha phase of something. And, um, sure, before the crypto tanks. Yeah, <laughs> before the crypto tanks, you get it out there. So there's a lot going on on Bitcoin testnets and uh, Ether testnets. And, and, and so Raiden is a scaling solution um, that's very similar to uh, Ice Plasma. Um, but I think it's the sharding um, scaling solution. Um, but... Anyways, let's read this quote. The long-term goal would be to have people use Raiden from a mobile device and be able to make off-chain token transfers just from their phone. That would be the long-term vision. It would probably work in combination with various scaling solutions, sharding plasma uh, sort of hybrid. So that doesn't explain what Raiden is, but I'm actually going to get some strong talking points on Raiden real quick while... Bro goes to the next article, so we can kind of educate y'all a little bit. All right, so the last article for the week is actually what I'll be reading while D takes the time to look up some Ethereum rating talking points. Um, and it has to do with everybody's favorite crypto called Tron. <laughs> oh, my God. You put that in here? <laughs> oh my I, just, I was interested. So this You're was written ridiculous. by Annalise Milano. And it's an article on Coindesk, and the the article says it took just a day for Tron's founder to win his own blockchain election. What is, I, there was an election? It says an unconventional candidate <laughs> has triumphed in Tron's ongoing blockchain elections. Its own founder, Justin Sun, after announcing his candidacy to become a Tron quote super representative which is a node on the software elected by token holders to validate transactions, create blocks in the network, and compete for its rewards. Just one day ago, Sun has successfully garnered enough votes to run one of just 27 nodes that will operate the $2.5 billion Tron network. As of press time, Sun has acquired over 120 million votes, according to Tron's Tron scan feature. <laughs> this is so, so shady. Candidates must receive over 100 million votes to be elected with each Tron, counting for one vote. For context, it took other candidates several days to a week to be elected, and only 11 representatives have been elected thus far. As reported by Coindesk, Tron kicked off its election in June as part of the launch of its own proprietary blockchain. Oh, God. Can you stop new, with this Tron new democracy? What are you doing? What is this? What are you doing, man? What are you understand. doing? I'm trying to oh understand God. what. Look at this picture of Justin's son. Yeah, his his face is like his face part is of the, the sun. sun. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what you did there, Justin's son. Um, why did you do this? So why did you expose our audience to more Tron nasty? I, I was just I was interested. This was actually for my own selfish desire <laughs> as a as a. Minor Tron holder. I just wanted to see what the fuck this was about. And, this and, is, and now you're sad that you hold it still, right? I mean, I don't care. It's <laughs> it's fine. It's just it's just one of them. It's just one of the bags. One of the many bags that I have I have in my yeah. possession. Here's my here's the beauty of the, the this whole Tron debacle, um, in which this is going to be all that you ever see coming from Tron. In uh, in uh, is at the bottom of this article. The Tron Foundation and Justin Sun did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Yeah, and they never will because they know their coin is garbage and they know what they're doing is garbage. <laughs> There's another article by Neo. It says the Neo Foundation did not respond to requests for comment. I don't think anybody requests or responds to any requests for comment. They? I would respond for comments if people ask me. Don't seem like anybody does. I respond on all kinds of stuff on Twitter. You know, we got a we got we got a little bit of heat because we couldn't figure out uh, that Bruce Jenner is dead and Caitlyn Jenner is 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 now here and alive and fierce. Wait, somebody, what? Somebody tweeted at us and they were like, nah. "Bruce Jenner was the Olympic athlete and Caitlyn Jenner is a fierce, strong woman." And I was like, "Okay, I <laughs> wait, what? Yeah, man, that shit happened. Like, I guess we offended someone because." 
we couldn't get her name right. Remember, like a couple weeks ago, when you were like, "I think it's Caitlyn Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner," and it was Bruce Jenner or is Bruce Jenner, and we just kind of stumbled. It was Bruce Jenner, and then it, and then he became a she. Yeah, but the he is officially gone. You can't say like Caitlyn Jenner is Bruce Jenner. There is yeah, no yeah, Bruce the, Jenner. yeah. He's the Bruce. There's no Bruce, right? Right. Yeah, he Bruce is gone. So Bruce yep. left. So well, Bruce didn't left. Bruce became Caitlyn. Well, he, that that means he's gone. That means Bruce is gone. Right. There's no more Bruce. Yeah. Uh, it always trips it, me up. So. Anyways, uh, before we go down that rabbit hole again, let's talk about Red, Raid Network. It's an off-chain solution that uh, enables near-instant and uh, low-fee scalable payments. Uh, it's complementary to the Ethereum blockchain and works with an ERC-20-compatible uh, token. Uh, the Raiding project is a work in progress. Uh, so it looks to me like basically like a side chain. I don't know. Um, you know, it works with any token that uh, follows Ethereum standardized token API. Uh, scales linearly with the number of participants. Transfer transfers can be confirmed within a sub second. Um, it's an infrastructure layer on top of the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, while the basic idea is simple, the underlying protocol is quite complex, and the implementation is non-trivial. Nonetheless, the technicalities can be uh, abstracted away, such that developers can interface with a rather simple API. Um, so what is Plasma then? When is that, I guess, what Ethereum... Well, OMG is working on Plasma. And I uh -oh. think even furthermore, they're working on Plasma Cash. Um, these are all scaling solutions. But the thing about all these scaling solutions is they all take things off-chain. I think on-chain scaling is a pipe dream right now. But I do think in like maybe 50 years, there could be significant boosts in on-chain scaling. And I think that's why the Bitcoin Cash community just kind of falls silent on most people's ears because it's like there's not even a demand for that much uh, block space and then at the end of the day you still need a new solution when those blocks start to get full so yeah no in 50 years we won't be dealing with cash we'll be dealing with using feelings as currency mm. do you feel mm. angry angry for working a nine to five well <laughs> i will i will exchange you happiness in exchange for your anger now you can You're... use this happiness to buy yeah. uncompressed happiness yeah. tokens. Look at that guy over there. He's a he's a joyonaire. He's got so much joy. joy he's <laughs> he's just got so much joy in his life. Look at all this. He's got little joy babies. He's got <laughs> So then can someone pay in sadness? No one wants your sad token. Your sad token's worth nothing. Get out of Yeah, there. nobody wants sad tokens. Everybody wants happy tokens. <laughs> Happy feelings, and they're not tokens. If you walk up to the store feelings. and you're like, "I've got all of this," you sad. trade happy feelings. I feel you like you're trolling everything. No, seriously, all of crypto right now. No, like, like if you go to the store, you have to trade the hap like you sell, you sell. Yeah, I'm. I want to. I want to expand on this actually. <laughs> I <laughs> wish that you didn't, because I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You... Trading feelings, man. Uh, this could be. I'm the gonna future. sell a little bit of my sad for some joy, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Well, um, congratulations, everyone. You've made it through another episode of Just the Headers with myself, D. Dimitri, and uh, Jesse the Broke Ventura. Uh, we love uh, talking these articles with you guys. Here's the thing: if you want to talk Jesse and I throughout the week. Uh, you can join the Slack, and uh, if you want to go to the articles, you can look at the show notes, and you can see how the articles populate. No biggie there. Um, Jesse, you got anything you want to plug? Mm, nope, not yet. Um, well, please go to the Bitcoin Podcast dot network, and you can also go to podcasts, and you can drop down to previous episodes of Just the Headers. Uh, it's not really evergreen content. But, you know, if you want to listen to, to Jesse and I, go for it. Uh, other podcasts there as well. Hashing It Out is a good one. Uh, that's with uh, Dr. Petty and, and Colin Couchet, um, which which I love saying touche Couchet whenever he says something that's right. And it's very funny. Um, we also have uh, what else? Other shows. Uh, we will have a new show launching on August 10th. So so you'll hear about that. Um we have announcements. Uh, it's just like a show. 
where we give you an announcements of projects in the space. Either they're launching an ICO or they're trying to raise awareness of what they're doing. So you can tune into those. A couple go out a week. Uh, we also have Reese Lynn Marks uh, creating a, a humanist blockchain future, which uh, basically he, he seeks out projects that are looking to uh, benefit humanity uh, with the problems that they're trying to solve with this technology. Not not just make money or make something that's cute like CryptoKitties, but actually benefit humanity. Uh, so you can check that one out. We have DJ Iniesta's show, which is uh, Crypto Until Infinity. That's his voice. He's real smooth. He's like, Crypto Until Infinity, baby. And he brings his music um, that he puts together, mixes, and, and some of his produced music. Uh, we also have on Ramping with D, we'll be returning. It's been gone for four months, but it's coming back now. We have interviews scheduled, and I will be taking uh, newbie noobs uh, through uh, an on-ramping into Bitcoin, uh, answering all their questions, uh, calming their concerns, and hopefully by the end of the interview, it gives them the the, the, the spark that they need to, to trust this tech and this currency. So that's coming back up. And of course, the flagship show, the Bitcoin podcast, Running three years now, uh, the real Bitcoin podcast needed that suspense right there. You, everybody <laughs> knows what I'm talking about. The real Bitcoin podcast. Uh, so um, that's all we got. Um, yeah, shout out to Carrie Hilson and Zoe Saldana. Um, you want to do the outro thing? <laughs> no, I'm good. All right. We'll just say, uh, check out this outro.